0: So we're sitting down to talk about basically everything that's happened since March. <laughs> so it's
1: a long time. I know. How many months is that? Is that...
0: I don't even know. That's I feel like twenty twenty is a weird time vortex where I have no idea how long anything's been, and it feels like seventy five lifetimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's been a while. Um, we've been curating a ton of content for our courses. And when we first started doing these recordings, podcasts, whatever you want to call them, we were so, like...
1: Unc- green? Green.
0: Unc- yeah. Unc- I was so scared and nervous and didn't... It was just, like, the hardest thing ever. And now that we've had a lot of practice, um, creating it was easier to create when there was a specific purpose for me. Like, okay, we're doing a recording on this chakra. We're doing a recording on this topic of... Intuition or power or you know, dynamics, relationships, and so now that we've had a bit of practice with this, this doesn't feel so hard.
1: No, and <laughs> we didn't even do any recordings here where we are now. It was at our old house, wasn't it?
0: Oh, for just the two of us yeah. discussing things. Yeah, yeah, we haven't done any our old since Kitchen March. table. Yeah. So, um, so I guess we we had the idea it would be. We've remained pretty quiet um, through everything that's going on. On social media platforms um, and instead we've really been we've been taking the opportunity to use our voices in the spheres of sort of um, more connected influence that we have our groups women's groups men's groups and
1: online courses uh, online
0: courses and those are kind of closed to the public um, you know to kind of create a safe container so we can go pretty deep into things and so we haven't done anything um, where we've been expressive about what the last year has been like for us um, and there's been a lot so we decided we wanted to just sit down and share to a, to a certain extent um, all the details of what has been unfolding so that's our intention. Um, I guess we could just dive right in.
1: Yeah so we no longer live in the United States. Yeah that's um, a big one. That's a pretty big one. We moved to Canada and um, Shiloh's canadian i'm american um, and that happened beginning of april
0: i think yeah the beginning it's of april april
1: 3rd i think is when my um, my visa is stamped
0: uh-huh. aha yeah. yeah we we moved and that has been so many different things it's been so challenging and and
1: Uncomfortable,
0: uncomfortable, just all all the things. So I guess cold. It's cold now. Yeah. We moved
1: from Orange County to (laughs) British Columbia.
0: Yeah, and and then we we intend to probably move to Alberta. um, Colder. Colder. So we just like maybe then we'll move to Hawaii. (laughs) Maybe we'll move to Hawaii. (laughs) Or what?
1: You want to move to Nineveh? I was I
0: was gonna say we can head all the way up to the North Pole. Just keep on. Keep on going. I think at one point we were going to move to Costa Rica. This is a direct opposite kind of situation.
1: At one point we thought about it. We were never really going to, we didn't have any concrete plans to do so.
0: Um, But we did move. uh, The move initially was not intended to be permanent. The move was, so I guess uh, sharing a little bit about what happened, we were kind of just. Having I don't even remember as it came up. I I woke up one morning, I'd had a pretty intense dream, and, um, you know, a lot of times I feel like intuitive messages and um, just instincts come in the dream time, and I woke up pretty shaken, and it's just like, you know, everything was starting to get kind of strange. You know, coronavirus had begun to influence uh, California in the sense that we were starting to see all the shelves start to get bare. Yeah, things were
1: getting very panicky.
0: Things, the energy was getting panicky, and, and we just, I just had the felt sense like, oh, this is the tip of the iceberg um, back in March. There's, there's a lot more coming. and I didn't know what it was, but I had the sensation that it was time to go, and I just felt in my dream a very strong presence um, tell me uh, you need to leave and you need to leave now. And so we packed up um, what we could fit in the car. Only it wasn't very much stuff. Um, we just have a little Mazda CX-3, so no, we don't have a very big car. Um, packed up clothes and the books that we knew we'd need, and some of the documents like, oh, we'll I'll take this because we'll have to file our taxes while we're there. And and that was it. We left everything. Um, back in our house, in our bedroom, you know totally intact, the rest of the house, all of our stuff totally intact because we intended to come back once things started to settle down. Now, things never settled yeah. down. <laughs> so here're here we are in November and nothing has settled down. Um, and there's been a lot of heartache and pain and, and with mm. a lot of our friends and all of Keenan your family down there, you know we've still been really connected to everything yeah. going on.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's been much heartache for my family, luckily. Or there's been. It seems like California is a little bit more of an intense situation than mm-hmm. Washington. That's where my family is. Luckily, right across the border from us. Not that we can go there, but you know, it's nice to be close. But yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm skipping ahead, I guess, and imagining. Um, perhaps some of the difficulty and, and heartache that may have come with the subsequent events after coronavirus for, for your family, you know, just having to be immersed in everything um, with the racism and...
1: Oh, yeah, man, I forgot that's there, that, was that, that was this year.
0: That was this year, yeah. It was
1: the you know, Black Lives Matter movement round maybe two or three. It's the, the, the biggest inflection point in that movement mm-hmm. and the swirling or folding in of um, you know,
0: Is that a Schitt's Creek reference It's a Schitt's Creek there? reference. Folding in, fold, just fold fold in the, the cheese.
1: cheese. <laughs> just fold in the references. Um, yeah, you had Black Lives Matter mixed with um, protesting and seemed like agent provocateurs from who knows where. and Yeah, just more civil strife. Yeah,
0: amid mm. what was already happening.
1: On top of what was already uh, tumultuous for years in general.
0: Absolutely, and maybe a little further on, we can get into you know uh, being a black man, how that has affected you, and how that has affected your your family. I don't know if you you know are comfortable sharing about your family or if that's this is the appropriate place to do it, but at least how it's affected you um, as we go on a little bit further, because I think we've been relatively quiet about that uh, in the public sphere. Definitely. Had much exploration as individuals in our in our marriage, being in a, in a um, mixed race relationship, having to deal with um, difficult conversations on the home fronts, and having to uh, learn how we show up and and look at our own stuff as individuals. How do we show up in our groups? And so maybe that could be something. Make a little note. to Talk about. Yeah. 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 Sure. Um so back to march we we said okay like we gotta go it was just such a strong impulse so we uh we left and this was at the time where everything was closed so
1: no (laughs) traffic going to california i was gonna say nowhere
0: for me to go pee but yeah
1: well i mean you you figured that out but more importantly no
0: no traffic and we used to commute for a whole year when we lived in Oakland, from Oakland, Orange County.
1: Once a month, sometimes twice a month?
0: Yeah, um, for, for trainings that we were leading down in Orange County. And that was, you know, if you had no traffic, which was never, that was an eight-and-a-half, eight-hour drive, eight-and-a-half hours.
1: I think it may have been longer than that. It may have been, like, when you really factored in all the stops and food and, yeah. you know, like ten.
0: That was so long. That was such a hard time. Um, and then, so long story short, we made it. We left and literally no traffic all the way up there. Yeah. Through California, to Oregon.
1: Portland had a little bit, but actually, no, it wasn't traffic. It was just weird police activity.
0: Yeah, it was weird police activity. That was very strange. Um, and then through Washington, really no traffic either.
1: And we, yeah, so it went pretty fast. And I think the hardest part, other than the end, which we'll get to, was... Trying to find a place to sleep overnight. Oh my god, that
0: was so I, frustrating.
1: I had this plan that we'd what, <laughs>
0: what? What was my
1: plan? I don't even know if I. Oh, that we'd stay at Mount Shasta. Yeah, we were
0: gonna camp.
1: <laughs> oh, but we did camp.
0: Oh, if you can we, call it that. We.
1: Oh no, we had a tent. We, it was literally a campground where it was, it was a campground slash RV community.
0: I don't know. But anyways,
1: it was you know a cold, late summer early spring night and morning late Um,
0: winter early spring
1: was it late winter what did i say summer oh yeah late winter (laughs) definitely late winter but the place we ended up stopping at maybe 2 30 in the morning it was super late yeah was called emigrant lake of all places
0: and we tried to stop at multiple places before that yeah and every single one was closed all the campsites were closed All like the hotels were closed motels were closed gas station bathrooms were closed like so
1: southern Oregon though had one option one
0: option one option and I mean we had already been driving for at least 14 hours because yeah. we were past Shasta by far we were in to Oregon it was it was really tough you know we there was nowhere to get food and and you you always think like okay no big deal like I can go on the side of the road well if you've ever driven the stretch of, of highway from uh, Orange County to San Francisco for example there's it's just it's just bare. Like there's no yeah. there's no trees to go to the bathroom behind. It's not like driving <laughs> unless, in Canada
1: unless you stop at a um, what was it an almond orchard? That was one place we stopped. That right. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> Oops, sorry, almond milk farmers
1: They're
0: fine. Anyway, so we yeah we journeyed up. We we slept on the floor or well, the floor we, the, we, we the camped, ground. We <laughs>
1: camped in a tent. <laughs> Very I'm normal camping.
0: Clearly not an avid camper. I've done it all my life, but I always have resistance. I love it, and I just and it was very. Um, well, we
1: didn't have a blow up mattress with us. We just had.
0: A <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> so what? I like to camp with a blow up mattress we didn't have anything we just slept directly on the ground in the sleeping bags and it was cold and i was like cranky and tired and you know it was scary we didn't know like we knew that the canadian border was still allowing canadians and their spouses through on our way the website was very clear you know you'll be okay the um, spouses are allowed everybody else wasn't allowed though the border had shut down the quarantine act had started and we were just like, okay, just get there as fast as we can because the situation is changing minute by minute.
1: Yeah, we really did. Like, and is it still like hurts my heart to this day. We had to pass by <laughs> yes. my hometown. I just saw downtown. I saw it was just the just over the hill was my neighborhood where my parents, grandparents, you know, everybody, aunts um, were. And I was like, I, I really just can't stop because. I know. It's so sad. And. You get this sense, like, I don't know how bad this whole thing is going to get. And is this going to be my last time passing through this place? And hopefully that was a, it's an over-exaggeration. But right now the border's still closed. For no, a long time. For a long time. And luckily the virus isn't terribly lethal. So that's good. But it was it was a bit of a surreal moment to pass by and be like will i be able to come back to see this
0: yeah like we were literally in we're fleeing the country mode and and the intuition was just like you know and it all makes sense now with all the things that have progressed not only in the world events but in our own personal lives why the urge to go was so strong um so we we rolled up to the border i don't know we must have been driving for the the drive we only slept at emigrant lake for about four or five hours yeah
1: probably five
0: it wasn't long um and we got in the car i was so cold we packed up got back in the car drove and by the so by the time that we had got there the journey was like probably around 33 34 hours and we came up to the border it was late we got there i want to say like nine or ten at night um and we came to, I don't remember which crossing it was. Peace Arch. Peace, like, oh, I remember, yeah, I remember that. Not so this, peaceful arch. It was, it was not a peaceful arch at all. And we came up to the border and got there, and so it was a woman, and I was thinking like, oh good, it's a woman, she'll, you know, so I, maybe it'll, she'll be nice to us. Um, I've always had great experiences with the Canadian border, um, and being a Canadian, it, that makes sense, and my difficult experiences have always been with the U.S. border, and. So I was very surprised. We rolled up, and the woman was just... I don't even know the word Just a jerk. She was just a jerk, you know, like...
1: Aggressive, condescending.
0: Incredibly aggressive, incredibly condescending. You know, why are you coming here? What do you think you're doing? And all this, and we just said, you know, we're coming home to be with family. Um, You know, we're we're very uncomfortable where we are and not feeling safe, and we're very honest with her. Um, And she was just she was like, oh, so you're going to help your family. You're going to be helpful. You know?" It was just a horrible experience. And she put us through to secondary after grilling us um, very rudely for quite a while. And my heart, you know, I'm exhausted. My heart rate's going. I'm thinking, oh, my God, if they turn us over. Like, it wasn't even a thought in my mind that we'd get turned around, yeah. you know. Um, because the website was very clear that you were able to come in as my husband. And we had all our papers for that. And... So she puts us through the secondary, and they have us get out of the car and stand and there. And it is cold. It's cold. So we're standing there outside, and they're just telling us. They were nicer, than the secondary, too. There's a guy and a gal, and they, they were nicer, but very firm. Like, well, like, well, they tell me I can come through, but, but Keenan, my husband, can't come through. And yeah. I, I'm yeah, just the, like, yeah, what?
1: Yeah, shall I just take the car? I'll walk down to, I don't know, Bellingham or Blaine, and... <laughs> get a motel they
0: literally said that they literally said well you can rent a car and i was
1: <laughs> yeah, like okay <laughs> for
0: sure for sure we're gonna do that like get out of here and it was just and i was told i'm like crying at this point and i'm like how i can't possibly go back and they just said well and i told them like your website says right here like spouses aren't allowed to come through Essential workers, citizens, and spouses of
1: citizens. Yeah.
0: And that's already a very narrow window, but it says right here that they said, oh, we haven't updated the website yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. And oh, if, okay. They also alluded to the fact that it was really unique circumstances and that they have the discretion to sort of. Fudge the law,
0: which was we found out later completely untrue.
1: Yeah, and it seems like one of those things you do during wartime. Where it's
0: like, yeah, we kind of
1: fudge the law because it's unprecedented times. But it, your website doesn't say anything about it.
0: Right, they kept citing, yeah, saying they had the discretion. And we talked to lawyers after, and at that time, when we came through, that that wasn't the case. They, you know, they as long as we had a quarantine plan, which we did, they had to let us through. So Nonetheless, we, they turned us around and so said no. So we
1: got kicked out.
0: <laughs> so we, so it was like one of the worst moments of my life, like just turning around and then coming back to meet the U.S. Border Guard after they reject us, and of course, you know, it was like the universe had flip flopped. The Canadians were being really, really difficult with us and, and unkind. And then the U.S. guy was Super so compassionate. Nice. They were so nice. So nice. He was like, I was crying. And, and he's just like, I'm so sorry, you guys. It's really tough times. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm surprised and I'm sorry. And, you know, welcome back. And so we drive back through and we go to this tiny little, I don't know if it's even a town. It's just like a,
1: just gas, a gas station. And, yeah.
0: yeah. On the side of the road and call my dad and I'm crying and, and he was pretty like intense with me he was just like Sh- stop crying there's you know you need to figure out a plan don't cry and I was like so angry like don't tell me not to cry I'm so sad
1: meanwhile I'm thinking about how am I gonna drive all the way back I, I'm not gonna do it <laughs> it's I can't not humanly possible I, I can't do that at this point. and I'm not gonna do that it's too much
0: And this was the point where, like, everybody was still thinking that the virus was, like, incredibly lethal, right? So, and then, like, Washington was, Seattle, all that area was super infected. And so we were thinking, okay, are we going to go to your parents? And we're like, oh, my God, but, like, you know, we've been so good in terms of, like, in California, we locked down, we quarantined, we didn't go out, and we were so scared of getting sick. And... We were just like we don't know what we're gonna do. And so my dad said, "Well, there's another border crossing. So off you go, off you go, and try again at a different crossing." And I was like, "Dad, they're gonna know that we just tried to cross." He said, "Well, you know, if you really wanna, you really want it, then you better try." And so we did. We went to the second crossing, and I told them right away when we got there, we just tried to cross at the other border. You know, we're not trying to hide that fact, but you know. This is our situation. We don't want to be separated. We're family, you know, and so they took us inside. They were not pleased, but they took us inside the secondary. And how long did we spend in there? It had to be a few hours?
1: Well, yeah, I think it was two hours. We we parked the car. They had us get out and they asked us some questions and then they left us while they made up their mind, but it didn't seem like they were talking much. They went out to our car and unlock the doors we'll open the doors I think we have to give them our keys Yeah, we 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 give them our keys they unlock the doors they go through absolutely everything
0: and I'm flabbergasted because they're going through every article of everything we own They're like every
1: page of every book or journal
0: I'm thinking to myself like you guys are saying you're so highly concerned about this virus But you're going through this car that's from California with no gloves on your hands And you guys are all standing right beside each other not social distancing and they're just rummaging literally through everything my personal journal They read every line like your journals every line. I don't think they could read
1: my handwriting so They (laughs) gave up (laughs)
0: They got to the end of my, I know they read every line because they got to like the third to last entry where a little while back I had a call with one of my teachers and I was talking about, we knew we were gonna move to Canada eventually, you know? And so I was just, we were, I had been making a list of like pros and cons of moving and pros and cons of when. And this was before we had the impulse to go. And they read that and they assumed that we weren't ever gonna go back to California. And yeah. they ended up being right, but at the time they were wrong because we were not.
1: Yeah, we just hadn't made up our minds.
0: Yeah, we, well, we, we were intending to go back. We had all yeah. we had a bedroom. We had a lease there till the end of uh, January 2021. We had everything there. We're still paying our lease. Like we were we were intending to go back. Um, so they came in with this journal, and we had our tax documents because we knew well tax season is in April, and we'll probably be gone for two months or so. So we had that and they came back and they said, well, you have your tax documents and we've read your journal and it looks like you have a list of pros and cons about coming or going. So we know that you're intending to just come across it and never go back. And we' were like, no, that's that's actually not the case. And
1: And it wasn't luckily, thank God because we had reasons like well listen, like we're gonna be here for like you said, a couple months, maybe, maybe a couple weeks it just blows over. and if we have to stay longer, we have to file our taxes this is why we have all this stuff and she's like well you have a library of books here (laughs) listen lady you do not know how many books we own this is this is this is five percent of our books we had
0: maybe like 10 or 15 books and i was in the middle of leading a teacher training which had just gone online like i needed all those books to reference and and whatnot and we had another course coming up we needed them to reference and we explained that, but they just 100% didn't believe us. So we thought they're turning us around for sure. They go into the office, of their supervisor's office. I mean, what,
1: what are those like stages of grief or whatever? I'm totally in denial. I'm like, no, they're not going to turn us around, right? And then I'm into bargaining. Like, Shiloh, what do you think? Do you think we're going to do it? What do you think? What, like, like, and I'm just think? like, they're
0: going to turn us around. Trying
1: to read the tea leaves that aren't there. They're talking to each other. I think, she, I think she, looked at Sh- Shiloh, she looked at you and smiled. Is that a good thing or a bad thing?
0: Yeah, we were really just, I mean, we were so tired and so stressed. So anyway, they come out and they say, we've made a decision about whether or not we're going to let you through the border today. Uh, We realize this is unprecedented. We realize that normally as a spouse, you have rights, blah, blah, blah. Um, But because we think that you're trying to come in and never go back, you know, it's different. So we want you to, we're going to tell us, tell you our answer. And then, and then we're going to tell you the answer first. And then we want you to answer a couple questions truthfully now. And we're like, okay. So they say, we're going to let you through to stay. And I go, oh my God. Third happiest day of my life. They, yeah. They, thank God. And then they go, now tell us the truth. You're intending to stay, right? <laughs> and we're like, no, we're it's not. still the same. It's still the same answer. But... They were helpful in the sense that they said, well, if you do end up staying, you have the right to do so. Because long story short, the immigration process is such that once he's in the country, he has a certain amount of rights. And um, so they try to prevent that. They try to have you file from outside the country, if that's your intention, so they can do their background checks and due diligence before the person gets in the country, which makes sense. Um, But anyway, they let us through and I just, we were walking to the car like in silence, just like. Don't don't say anything. Well, don't don't ruin it. Don't anything. And,
1: and backing up just a little bit, the, the two people, the man and the woman, were so nice then.
0: After they made the decision and told us, yeah.
1: You know, there there was one guy who was didn't seem to have a grasp on what was happening. Who was just still playing bad cop, and yeah. <laughs> that was fine. But they were, yeah, really nice.
0: Yeah, they were. Um, and they gave us good advice in case you did want to stay. And so we crossed over, we went to my dad's house, we had to do the quarantine for fourteen days thing. So we had just gone through that journey and then we we had to give them all of our information. They're gonna call us every day to make sure we're at home, they said
1: Just backing up a little bit. Driving oh. away from that border was maybe the fourth happiest <laughs> I've ever been. I was just like, Oh my god, I feel like I got away with something that yeah, even, shouldn't have happened.
0: Even though like totally are supposed to be allowed.
1: Yeah, that was more maybe just a big sense of relief. It was yeah. it was great.
0: Yeah, that was um, a huge sense of relief.
1: Because that moment, that decision changes the trajectory of our lives, I would assume, considerably.
0: Absolutely, no question. And so we arrived at my dad's. We had to stay inside for 14 days, no going on walks, not, like nothing. And we followed the order diligently. We stayed inside. And, um, you know, then we went through the experience of settling into being a 36-year-old woman um, living at my dad's. You know, and at the time, quite temporarily in my mind. So no big deal. We're just here for an extended vacay. Um, You know, is what I told myself. And (laughs) and we're still here. Um, And... Just transitioning into the online world with all of our work, we had a yeah. teacher training that went online. All these things were very difficult to adjust to, and everyone else was going through similar adjustments. But we had just made a major decision to sort of uproot the foundation that we had, which was our home and our community, and and
1: this was you. a great foundation. It was, yeah. We had a we had a great house. The weather was always nice we had a community of friends and students we had a yoga studio we could go to there was the beach There were a couple of restaurants we could even eat at yeah, it was a nice
0: yeah it was a nice foundation and that's the place where i had lived for the last 10 years you yep. know? so it was pretty and i've never lived in in vancouver area in so it's not like i was coming home to something i knew you know cuz my dad Moved out here after I had left for California years ago.
1: Except for the fact that it was your home country.
0: Yes, except for that. And there was a tremendous sense of relief of just like, oh, thank God, Canada.
1: And then, you know, when I started to get a little settled here, I realized that, yeah, this might not be my home country, but this is definitely my home climate. Like, yeah. Tacoma is only 200-some-odd, maybe 300 miles away, and it's basically the exact same.
0: Yeah, I don't Is it that far?
1: yeah, I think okay. Seattle is two hundred and sixty, oh. and Tacoma's about forty miles away.
0: So, but it is. it's like you said, it's it's the same climate. and so there's there's nice layover. you know, it's not exactly what we're familiar with, but there's elements of familiarity for both of us. and and I mean, we could go on forever and ever about all this because there were so many, so many aspects and so many things uh, shifting and changing and um, but I think there's so many elements to this story that we should move to the next thing, I guess.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, we could talk about everything, and the lockdown and comparing to the U.S. and all that. But, I mean, it's, you know, it's, we, we can maybe talk about that some other time.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, you know, we could say just on that that it was the same here um you know like everything was closed all the it was the same because a lot of people have asked me how it is up here and at the beginning phases back in April when we were here April and May I can't remember when it started to open maybe the end of May or so but it was the same we had, couldn't go to do anything the, everything was closed the grocery stores were open um it was a, it was scarce pick the same way there wasn't you know food was way more expensive here than in california yeah. um has it gone down i don't think so but i, I mean I we it. we also kind of eat like organic and gluten-free yeah. and we can it's but that type of stuff is more expensive here for sure at least um at the place where we go and there isn't there aren't a lot of places to go um comparatively but everything was closed um the gyms the studios the malls the movie theaters, uh, everything the stores all non-essential business was closed and we had to do um, you know the same same thing as we were doing in California.
1: but I, I do think there was a big difference you know obviously we weren't in the states when things started to open up again but from what I can gather from talking to people and you know paying a little bit of attention is when things started opening up here in Canada they were more organized. There was more systems in place for Mm -hmm. distancing. Everyone had uniform, like, stickers on the ground. And it seemed like the States was a bit more of a patchwork of different um, levels of that um, kind of organization.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's something that, as someone who... I've lived a third of my life in the U.S. and two-thirds of my life in Canada, basically. And um, I can say that, you know, having really been... A member of both societies I've always noticed that the organization of Canada is far superior to the organization of anything that goes on in the US now that makes sense right there's fewer people there's a different system of government there's a different system of public funding available I can see all the reasons why that is I'm not trying to say it's better you know or put the US down but I've always been I remember my first trip to the DMV in America and I was just like my jaw was just on the floor like like how is it possible that this is a four-hour experience and there's like yeah. 150 people in here and.
1: Our last DMV experience in California wasn't too bad.
0: I don't even remember anymore.
1: Remember when we went and got our licenses redone. Oh okay, yeah, that wasn't bad. San like in San-, Capus-
0: San Clemente, San Clemente. San Clemente. Yeah, that wasn't too bad, but but typically speaking, it, I mean, it was it was really intense and a lot of the things you know like just. The systems didn't have the same level of organization. And a lot of that goes to, I think, um, again... The governmental systems. Yeah. Well...
1: Because it seems like the economic systems in the U.S. are much faster and much more robust. Like, if you order something, you can get it cheap and quickly there. Granted, it's much bigger, but here you, you kind of have to wait. It is different. And you might not be able to find it.
0: Yeah, there's not this well, and if you you can find it, but a lot of, there's a huge tax on bringing things in from the U.S.
1: Oh, I mean, if you are trying to not do that and try to find stuff within the country, yes, you, you can. It's just not as easy.
0: That's true. It's definitely not as easy as down there. Um, but you know, the systems in general. Like I, I think there's a lot to be said about without getting too stuck on it. Just the mentality that i've noticed the difference between the two countries i've noticed this for a long time and there we could you know we don't have time to go into all the reasons why but there is a mentality that in canada and of course i'm generalizing and i know different areas are different but maybe canadians listening won't agree with this but i can say you don't know how good you have it until you you don't live in it um there seems to be a cooperation that exists in canada that is different than in the united states there seems to be a um, care for the collective and a care for uh, sort of a we mentality versus the individualistic i mentality of the u.s and each of those has its benefits the i mentality you know we're able to start a company down there that's successful enough that we don't have to do uh, different the corporate jobs we were in before you know, there's, there is this um, really amazing part of the, the US structure that allows individuals to have the potential to thrive. That's not saying anything about all the ways that you are hindered from thriving, because there are many. Um, and the, that potential exists in Canada as well, but you know, when you have less people and it, it's just, it's a different sort of um, climate energetically here. Um, so, I'm not trying to say one's better or worse, but in terms of the virus and in terms of like healthcare and these, these things that are considered the, the foundation of society, like n- not having to pay for health insurance anymore in the US, like the biggest <laughs> weight off my back that I've ever had in my life.
1: Also, you know, we had. A, it was just such a waste of money. Well, you're paying hundreds,
0: and if we were paying. Our premium um, was six hundred. I think somewhere around six hundred dollars. Yes, let's just call six
1: hundred dollars a month yeah. for catastrophe, catastrophe coverage. Like, it was crap.
0: We would have we each had an eight thousand dollars deductible, so you pay six hundred dollars yep. a month, and like you get nothing. And this is, you know, this is a whole other conversation. But I just remember, like, being like, "Oh my god! I am in mean, Canada. Like, if something happens to me, I'm not going to go bankrupt. If something happens to me." I'm, I'm okay you know no. and that was like there's a sense of relief that you feel that you can't put into words unless you've experienced the fear of like what if I get sick in a place where that could mean financial ruin
1: and I think people in the states the arguments that I've heard about it or against universal health care is well in Canada you have to wait forever to get this and that and the other thing and you know I have talked to people who had to wait a couple of months to get their ACL repaired and you know what I think it's worth waiting a couple of months versus and and not going into crippling debt, versus the other hand.
0: Yeah, exactly. So some some things that aren't considered emergency, you know. Some some province. Each province is different. And-,
1: and also, each probably area is different. Mm-hmm. How how big is their hospital? How you know many you know, outpatient clinics do they have?
0: I've had a ton of medical issues in my life and. I've never had to wait. That, and I know my experience is different than other people's, but I've had a really good experience in the Canadian healthcare system.
1: And there's no private insurance, so people who have the means can't skip the line by paying more here, from right. what I've been able to tell.
0: Yeah. There's a little nuance to that, because there is extended coverage for some employers where you can get enhanced benefits. And mm. you can but, always
1: travel to another country, too.
0: Right, right, right. But by and large, you're, you're exactly right. So that was a huge relief and um as luck would have it it's turned out to be incredibly important for us um in this chapter of our life we drum roll oh yeah okay so drum roll um we are expecting a baby girl in april of 2021 so i'm just about five months pregnant now and That's sort of the other half of the journey that we wanted to share Mm. and kind of talk about for a lot of reasons. First, we wanted to share with our community what has been up for us, and then also because there's a lot of learning and and growth and steps that has arisen with this this journey under these circumstances.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all these layers of circumstances
0: so many layers like pregnant during COVID while living with your family while having fled your country while waiting for your husband's work visa (laughs) while he's an immigrant It's, it's been a lot and then that doesn't even touch on all the internal processes that I mentioned at the beginning around you know there's big periods of grief and sadness and difficulty during all the uprising and unrest and everything around race going on there's, there's this, there's so much and the election, I mean, cut. there's just been, it's like 2020 is like, okay, so how much can I put on before you break?
1: Well, it sounds like we can withstand a lot.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of really resilience. Does. So we found this out early. Um, we took a trip to Alberta in the summer in July for my sister's wedding Um, she was getting married in uh, Salmon Arm but we went to see her first in Calgary and we also, that's my old home and probably where we'll end up and we love it and we wanted to just kind of look at what it would be like to live there so we took a trip there and we, on the trip, um, at the end of it went to my sister's wedding and got home at the very beginning of August and I just had this sense of like oh, I think I may be pregnant (laughs) And, and it was early. It was before I had missed uh, my period, and I took a test, and the two little pink lines affirmed that indeed I was, and I.
1: And well, even before that, when we bought the test, we were leaving the little um, pharmacy thing, and the alarm went off at the door. Yeah. Me 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 me. That was. Like that does not really happen to me very often. And I was like, oh. That's funny.
0: The alarm or buying pregnancy tests?
1: <laughs> well yeah. The <laughs> the alarm. I was like it just seemed like something to take notice of.
0: hmm Put you on the spot. Tell us about your history. I'm kidding.
1: You really want to know that history very <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm kidding. So we had this um, this brand new piece of information and backing up a little bit. Uh, We did decide at the end of April as we began to see everything get worse and worse and worse uh, in the States and more and more uncertain that we were going to stay. You know, We discussed with my family and by and large the the consensus was we don't want you going back there and Keaton's family was very supportive of us staying. Um,
1: They're also happy to be closer.
0: Yeah, we're much closer to them here than there. And um, we just felt very scared. So, but, so at the end of April, we filed, um, me as Kenan's sponsor, uh, his immigration paperwork for a work permit, which under normal circumstances for a spouse normally arrives within four-ish months. But when we sent it in, obviously they were shut down so, or at very limited capacity. And so we knew that the wait might be a bit longer um but it's definitely interesting we still don't have the work permit here in the beginning of november
1: i think we're about a month away
0: i hope so because it's a very interesting circumstance to like not be able or allowed to work for you and i became so ill in the pregnancy that there was no way i could exceed the work i was already doing with our business oh yeah and
1: i'll for me a limit to what i could do realistically
0: yeah yeah, I mean there is, there really is. Everything's gone online. Everything's, everything's different now, and there is a limit. And, and there's a limit. There's nothing we can do to influence the process of it and, speeding up.
1: And like, I, just sort of feeling into the space, there were so many healer helper types um, that were desperate to stay afloat in their businesses and having to market really aggressively and that's not really what I felt comfortable doing, especially at a time where everyone needs help and everyone's struggling. Yeah. Like everyone's trying to figure out how to stay afloat. So
0: we really struggled with that. Like, and, and we pulled back entirely. We've chosen not to do any real marketing during this entire time. Um, because for a lot of different reasons, it just for us
1: didn't feel right. Feel
0: right. And that's not to say for others, it's not right. Like we all, we need to survive. And, um, we had, we're lucky that we had enough yeah. of a, a base of people who has done consistent work with us for a long time yeah. that we didn't have to do that
1: yeah we it, yeah it was a bit of a luxury to not have to do that
0: but it's been it <coughs> nonetheless it's it's definitely been financially difficult um, because we have all the expenses of life that we're paying um, yeah. it's not like moving here made them go away we still have all still had our commitment to until I think, july like our health insurance there and our car insurance and our car payment and just all the normal things of life that you have to pay for so it it was um and then everything here that we have to pay for so we're we're um it was scary and it's been scary and became more scary when the news of you're pregnant arrives mm-hmm. um like there's no work permit yet
1: and you know for me it's difficult to sit here and wait for something to happen to get moving and in the meantime, there's nothing I could really do to make it go any faster or to better my chances or to set myself up. There are some things I could do and it's a like lot of those things them. I've exhausted. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, okay, I know what I want to do. I know what I'm going to do. And now it's a waiting game. And it's been a very difficult experience of being absolutely powerless.
0: Yeah. And really, I think that applies to everybody, like in in our own ways, talking to people You know, none of us can make any of this move faster. There's and there's so much that we're all waiting for. You know, people are waiting for the election. People are waiting for a stimulus package. People are waiting for when will my job reopen? We're waiting for when will this be over? When will we
1: go back to normal? We're waiting to see if we'll ever go back to the normal we were so used to.
0: And, you know, how can we make it a better normal, a different normal? You know, there's so, there's so many things unknown and it's caused just an absolute fatigue for everybody. Um, I don't, I don't know anyone who's like, I'm really thriving right now, you know, and, and I kind of. Yeah, that might have,
1: that might have happened a little bit in the beginning, but I think it's like, hey, yeah, I'm also really struggling.
0: Yeah. where If I'm thriving in one area, I'm struggling in another. Um, and this has been hard to be so stagnant, like. Our intention is to move but here we are in Canada where we we went to the bank and asked you know how do we how do we proceed like if we want to get our own place if we want to buy a house eventually like and they unfortunately told us that US credit is not um, considered like it like we don't have credit here um,
1: so to start from scratch scra-
0: start from scratch so like that'll be probably two years that you have to build that before any lender will look at lending to you and then the same thing—if we don't have a Canadian job on the books and we have no Canadian credit, like how do we go out and get our own place? Like it's a very yeah. difficult place to be. So we're kind of very grateful and fortunate that we have um, this safe space to land at my dad's house. And we also kind of like came into a rhythm that my dad, my brother, and the exchange student H- idea that was living here um, had—they had their own rhythm—and and so we moved into this newly married couple moved into this teeny tiny room with the closet, the size, you know, the smallest closet you could ever see in in a bedroom, like that one panel closet. Um, and the room is you know, it fits a queen bed and a very small dresser and that's it. Sharing a bathroom with my 17 year old brother. Um, for me, having a strong community of women, I transitioned to moving with all men and no community of women Mm -hmm. physically present here. And you know, it's, it's a dynamic that we're not used to and that they, Weren't used to us, and we had to kind of just we're still learning to figure out that dynamic and, and grateful think, to be here. and
1: I think they've gotten used to us in a much more graceful way than the other way around. I'll speak for myself, I feel like everyone's been very accommodating, and I'm still just like, oh man, I wish this was different. Yeah. And it's not every day that I feel that way, it's just sometimes like, well, I just would love to. Have my own space,
0: and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, here you are, a grown man, I'm a grown woman, we're a newly married couple, and you're living in a foreign country in your father in law's house. Oh, yeah, with yeah, your yeah, hands tied.
1: Yeah, I'm aware of that, and just it's, it's just hard. That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's hard. Like, and like, how could you or I not wish for our own space? We've been both fiercely independent for a long time. I left home when I was 17 years old, and I haven't been back to live in any capacity. And have, to make my way since then.
1: So our, our, our fierce independence <laughs> is, is is learning to relax.
0: It has been really difficult to Or at least not be relax. as
1: fierce, maybe not relax totally, but
0: yeah, I'm not quite there yet. But the, well, so turning to the pregnancy, you know, this has been the most tremendous learning experience of my entire life in the sense that I got so sick. So back to the beginning, I realized I was pregnant when I was only about four weeks pregnant. And, you know, it was really exciting, really exciting. Um, this is something that we wanted and had been talking about wanting. It happened much quicker than than we thought it would, or at least than I thought it would. Um and it was exciting. Yeah, it was exciting. And I'm just and then it and then it turned scary really quickly. I I looked for a doctor and I was told there in this area they weren't accepting new patients. They have actually a unique situation in this little area we live in where there's very few practitioners and they're all retiring. And so I was referred to this clinic. Um, and this clinic is specifically for pregnant women. And I called them. I was very excited. And they said to me, it's a doctor's clinic, and they said right away. Oh, well, you're 36, so are you going to, you know, you need to start thinking about gen- genetic testing because uh, you know, the baby could have down syndrome and because you're over 35 and you know, this is on the first first 5 minutes of the call and they're telling me and you know, miscarriage is very common before 12 weeks and so like it went from excited to scared. Oh my god, is there going to be something wrong with this baby? Oh my god. And, and, and they started saying, and so think about the testing because as soon as you do it, then you can make, if you have to make a difficult decision, then you can. And, you know, like I went into this very fearful place and then very well intending friends, you know, began to share some of the, I, we didn't share it with very many people, but a few people who'd had children, we shared in the earlier phases and they shared their stories of successful pregnancies. And then also ones that ended in miscarriage. And, um, it was really terrifying And to the point where I had a hard time even like wanting to connect to being pregnant, wanting to, because it was like, I don't want to connect. I already felt this sense of love building inside me that I've never felt before. That was bigger than anything I'd felt before. And I didn't want to connect to that and then lose it. So I was really scared. And, you know, there's already so much instability. Where are we living? What are we doing? You can't get a job, like all the things And now it was like something could be wrong. And so I just got terrified. And around the six-week mark, we had had this canoe trip scheduled (laughs) that my dad had taken me on years ago when I was like 19. So he decided it would be a fun family trip to go again, and we were excited and also hesitant because it carried a pretty high price tag, and we were a little a little worried about spending the money at this time. But we ultimately decided to go for it, and we um, paid for the trip and secured that we were coming, and... You know, it was five days of I forget how many kilometers, maybe like 50, 50 55 kilometers canoeing. In
1: <laughs> rugged interior British Columbia. Yeah. Like, I thought I knew what remote was living in Washington, but this was really remote.
0: This was like there's only there's only two I think maybe two or three motorized boats allowed on it on this. And it, when you think of lake, like. This is, looks more, it feels more like a sea <laughs> that you're paddling. Yeah, it's at Clearwater Lake and Azure Lake, um, in Wells Gray National Park, and so you would canoe for five to six hours a day. And so here I am, six weeks pregnant, and I'm starting to feel not so hot on the trip. I'm I'm starting to feel a bit dizzy, a bit nauseous, and it's me, Keenan, my dad, my brother, our exchange student Hidea, uh, my uncle Jim. And our guide, your brother, my brother. I thought it was my brother. Oh, maybe My brother, and our guide, and so again, I'm I'm feeling really frustrated already that I don't have this closer of women near me during this time of being pregnant. And then we go on this like all-male, rugged wilderness trip, and it is not a joke. Like it is physically demanding. You're camping. You you break. You make and break camp every day, like. It's it's a lot of work.
1: Yeah, if you you know walk into the forest, will just your foot will land somewhere where maybe a human foot has never landed before.
0: And I normally like really like that, um, but my hormones were raging and everything was starting to amp up inside, and I was just like, what the fuck am I doing here on this trip right now? Like I am so frustrated, and. Unfortunately, you know the men on the trip didn't necessarily all fully understand what I was going through, and so it was like, let's push further, let's go a little further, and, and I was just like, I can't, like my my fingers are raw, like I'm my arms are shaking, I'm not in the normal condition. This is the worst ever. It was the worst ever. Like I really had a hard time that whole trip, and when we finally end- it finally ended on the sixth day, and my foot just like hit the dock. I was like, oh thank God, like, <laughs> it's over it's over and I normally love that kind of stuff and I loved it the time I did it before but it was really difficult and that marked the beginning of um, feeling pretty fearful feeling really sick and the fear of something being wrong with baby started to creep in and the fear of something um, happening you know to me started to creep in so all this fear is just starting to creep in and I really wish that more people talked about it because um, it's, it's just not talked about that that, that widely. You know, the first trimester is kind of this time where you know, everybody tells you, okay, don't tell anybody yet because, the, you know, something could go wrong and then you have to deal with that. And I totally value that advice because I haven't, you know, been in the situation where that happens um, and I can imagine it's just like, I was so scared of it, like devastatingly heartbreaking, especially to have shared it and then have something go wrong. Um, but it's like this secretive time where you can't really tell, but you're going through so much. And I felt really lonely and really sad and scared. And this started to really start to amplify around the seven week mark where my, um, intense what they call quote unquote morning sickness came in. And this was not like, I am so annoyed that they call it morning sickness. (laughs) I really am like it's
1: not just the morning
0: it's not just it's it was all day it and it's not just
1: they should call it life-induced nausea and vomiting yeah. because everything does it
0: like everything
1: smells do it i feel like a strong gust of wind <laughs> will do it
0: <laughs> like it i mean i know it's different for every woman but for me the sickness was debilitating i mean absolutely debilitating i was unable to get out of bed sometimes because I was so dizzy, the nausea feels like you are drunk, hungover, and driving in a car while car sick on a windy road 24-7. That's how it was. Like, I couldn't get a minute of relief. Nothing would help. Like, walking didn't help, yoga didn't, like, I couldn't even try it. Like, it was just, like, horrible. And then, you know, my sense of smell, I became, like, some kind of bloodhound that smells everything. Like, The neighbor's smells, the neighbor's food I can smell. And so anytime something would be cooked in the house, like, that had contained garlic, onions, meat, like, anything that was... All my favorite things. All your favorite things. Anything that had a pungent smell was, like, the end of the world. Like, it would just send me into violent heaving for a long period of time. And then after that, I'd have to lay down because I was so... Depleted and nauseous. Because I don't mean like little like princess pukes. It was like earth
1: princess
0: pukes. (laughs) Like cute puke. It was like the end of the world, life-shattering puking for me. Like if you've ever had intense food poisoning where your entire guts are just like squeezing and emptying everything out. Feels like I had food poisoning for two and a half months. And so that began around week seven and amplified and amplified and amplified and didn't really calm down until week fourteen. Um, so it was a long time of really struggling and difficult for us like as a couple because there's so much change It's probably I mean, I don't I'll let you talk about how it was and has been for you um, but for me, it was like I Just couldn't understand why everyone couldn't do all the things that I needed them to do because I was clearly suffering so deeply
1: Yeah, yeah, it's hard because no one knows how you're feeling. and I think naturally people minimize other people's experiences because um, you know, like, how could it be that bad? You just can't imagine it, you just don't know. Yeah. And it was difficult for me because you know, all the stuff that I have been accustomed to eating and being able to eat and really enjoy eating, I felt like I couldn't. Mm-hmm. So, we had a nice little power struggle around that. Mm-hmm. And then I realized one day I just was like, you know what, like, there, there is stuff I can do, I just need to be a little bit um, less rigid. In my approach, so I found this little um, what do you call those things? Hot pot, hot plate, hot plate yeah. um, under the counter, and I just used an extension cord plugged in on the table outside on the patio, <laughs> and started making food outside. Put a jacket on; if it feels cold, and you know I like to make um, bone broths and meat stocks. Oh my god! That's fine. Like, it's probably like just not. Up your alley at all, generally speaking. Especially when you're pregnant, it is vomit-inducing. So, um, once I got over my resistance, I just looked at it as kind of a fun opportunity to do this differently. Okay, so I'm gonna boil all my <laughs> meat and hooves and oh, animal parts God. and gelatinous pieces so outside, and I'll do the processing outside, and you know I'll use the hose to spray everything down and. Honestly, it was it was really fun. Mm -hmm. I felt more connected to it. It felt a little bit more, more basic, more primal, more more human than having all the right tools at all the right time and and all that. So, this didn't happen overnight, mind you. This 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 happened. Mm -hmm. It took like two weeks to finally, like just, just open up and do things a little differently and and and, come from this from the perspective of. Okay, we're on the same team. We don't need to be adversaries. Like it just—it doesn't need to be as difficult as I'm making it. Mm-hmm. Like it's—it's it's not like my rights are being infringed upon because I can't do things exactly the way I want to do it.
0: But I sort of feel like you felt that way. That's what
1: I mean. Yeah. I did feel that way. I was like, how? Well, because in this in this situation, I already feel and felt so damn powerless. Like, yeah, can't work. This isn't a country I know. Not your house. I not my house. <laughs> Everyone's time schedule is different than mine. And I was just grasping onto any form of control I could find to give myself some sort of perception of safety and orientation. And I've just kind of let that go. It's just like, okay, so what's it like to be in a position where you don't have that? Mm -hmm. Can you be in that? People have been much more powerless than you Mm -hmm. at times. And they've made it through and if this life is what you call into it and it's all has something to give you all these experiences something to learn from so well, why not just embrace it and go with what is go with what's presented at the moment and just explore it versus just try to fight against it because that's not working wasn't working And it wasn't working we were getting into arguments I was Honestly, like, just upset all the time. I was like, this doesn't. No, no, no. I do not do this. Uh,
0: uh, I was at a place where, like, I was so sad, like, and I felt so alone, um, and just like, oh my god, like, this is not what I thought being pregnant would be like, and like, you know, it's, and we're at odds, and you know, no one really seems to care that these things make me so sick, and I just felt really down and sad. And when you shifted from trying to cope uh, through maintaining some of that power through what, what you were able to try to control and surrendered into it, like that opened up connection between us in a much deeper, better way.
1: Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. And that was, it's great. I noticed I would go out when I was out. I would get things that I knew made you feel better if you're in a puke Mm -hmm. crisis or that would combat any of this. And it felt really good to be working with you to help um, ameliorate any of these symptoms. And I I also knew there's only so much you can really do. Yeah, You feel powerless as the husband, as the partner, as the father when your wife is so sick. And there's really not much you can do
0: there's nothing anyone can do it's just like a time game
1: you can't make it better you just got to be there and just be with be with what's happening and be as supportive as, as, as you can knowing you can't fix it
0: mm-hmm. well, that definitely made when you made that shift it was palpable and it it was like we um have no problem sharing with everyone because we think everyone should do it we have you know teachers and therapists and people we see and we um, do our own individual work and we go as a couple and we went and had a session with our teachers like right as I think it was like really cresting the intensity yeah yeah, we had we had
1: two (laughs) during from when you knew Mm -hmm. till well I guess now
0: yeah and and the last one maybe being a little over a month ago and I, you know just getting in and getting talking knowing that there's no stigma around being like we're stuck we're struggling like this is really hard neither one of us is going anywhere we love each other we're committed we know we're doing this life together and like we're really stuck this is a new experience and we don't know how to navigate it and you know I really think that in this time for everybody if there was one piece of like feedback I'd offer it's like you know, when you're stuck, get, get some help, because yeah. it shifted things for us, like, you know, it stopped being a power power struggle, we stopped being adversarial, you know, it was no longer that you had to control things, and I was, you know, going through my own process of being totally powerless to everything, and, like, getting the help shifted things, and it made it, now the last month, is I felt more supported and harmonious, and, like, I felt this piece of you emerging where I'm, like, oh wow this is like what i always thought and hoped marriage and a husband could be like you know like this team that is taking care of one another for real and it's been um shifted into a really beautiful experience and part of that may have to do with some of my hormones coming down and getting past the first trimester and not barfing my guts out all day every day
1: definitely didn't hurt
0: yeah i mean it's hard to be in a great mood when you're when you're completely ill. I don't know anyone yeah, who is. No. But that is something, too, that I want to really briefly talk about because we're already over how far yeah. we are going to be. But just
1: real quick on the, yeah. on the getting help thing, just yeah. to lay it out there for people who don't really know us. We have coaches and therapists and helpers, and pretty much once a week we work with one. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing that. I've been doing that since college. You've been doing that since maybe even college yourself, like a long, a long time. time. Yeah. And it really makes life so much more manageable. And things that become crises don't become critical crises. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't go to our uh, counselors, therapists, because we were in, you know, a critical, critical condition. We went because we needed some help. And I think there's a big difference.
0: There totally is. A lot of times people come for help to us, and other people in the profession have talked about with them when it at a critical crisis. And sometimes yeah. by then it's like, ooh, that makes difficult p- to difficult to get through all that's been built up.
1: Like because there's, there's a lot of unpacking that needs to happen. Yeah. And if you're not used to being vulnerable and exposing yourself, and <laughs> honestly being being humbled, <laughs> it. Can be met with a lot of resistance, defiance, defense.
0: Even when you are used to it, it can be met with all those things.
1: Uh, It it is. It still is. And at least, you know, when you've been working with it for a while, you can notice yourself in those patterns. Mm -hmm. But if you're new to it, it's really hard to get unstuck because there's so much to open your eyes to. And it just takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So I guess if there's any couples or expecting parents listening to this now or in the future, there's no shame in getting help because your relationship is going to be strained and taxed. That's just how this stage works. And it's also just the nature of relationships in general. And and it's one of the best gifts you can give not only yourself, but your partner and your relationship is getting continued guidance. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Like there's this weird romanticized myth out there that I've heard people say, like having a baby, it's going to be so great and so fun. And, that's one of the things I did want to talk about is like, yes, there's amazing things going on with this, but it's overly romanticized in pop culture, in just like what we hear from people and the, the negative, shadowy, difficult aspects I feel like are often left out and not talked about. And I've asked people like, why didn't you get like, why didn't you tell me about this? And we don't want to scare people away from wanting to do it. And I'm like, yeah, but until I start hearing other people who've had tough experiences, I feel like there's something wrong with me. Like... I feel like, why, I didn't think I was this sick. They call it morning sickness and say, oh, it's nausea. It's like, no, dude, like, imagine being sick with food poisoning for two months. Like, it's yeah. not. And and it's not this, like, magical pill for a relationship. Like, you know, we're choosing to do this in a time where we've moved, COVID, blah, 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 all the things. But it's, at any time, it's a fully new transition It's a fully new phase. And there's all these parts of each individual self, myself, yourself, that like has to shed, die. You have to grieve those parts of yourself. You have to become a new self. There's things you can't take with you into parenthood if you're a conscious person. Like you you can't. Like even just having the experience that I wish people talked about, like what's it like to know that my body is never going to be the same? Mm. What's it like to have to, you know dig into these healings have
1: ice pack undies i saw those at the maternity store i was like oh damn that's
0: ice pack undies
1: and that's intense that's real and you know for every expecting mother there's a father there somewhere um and that side that role never really gets talked about very much in popular culture Mm -hmm. at least i don't think like you know at least women have certain things to expect or that they should do. There's not really much out there for the men, what you should expect, what you should do. What is this role of the, you know, general father to be really look like? Mm-hmm. And you know, I just kind of have to just figure this out sort of on my own and with the help of coaches and some of, you know, my own father has been really helpful in that and other friends who are parents, but other than that, like there's not much out there
0: Mm-mm. No, there's not and I'm thinking as you're saying all this like that's a blessing and a curse like looking at it On the exact flip side of the coin the opposite side like as an expectant mom There's so much out there about and it all contradicts it. Itself. all contradicts itself. This is what you should do This is how you should do it And then you turn another page or go on another site and it's like saying the exact opposite thing and you're like, okay I don't know what I should do, and and so we've chosen. I knew right away after I talked to that clinic about, and they were right away just like, well, you might have a miscarriage, and your baby might have these defects, and da da da. I knew I wanted to work with midwives. And greatest gift, I know now why we got that. I got that really intense impulse to leave, and it was all the reasons that everyone's going through. But then for us in particular, it was I do not want a baby in america right now i don't want to be going through the medical system in america right now i don't want to pay it would have cost us we calculated about twelve thousand dollars to birth in america right now with our insurance and we wanted midwives and i always knew that i would want that but it was really a firm for me and i had reached out to a group and they were really wonderful were and are really wonderful and we're working with them now and they take a com- I mean, some people are like what are you crazy you're gonna have a midwife instead of a doctor and I was like yeah like
1: <laughs> the people who say that i think are very uneducated as to what a midwife is what their qualifications are and i think i just you know they feel scared they feel like it's the unsafe option
0: yeah but it's actually proven to be safer in in many ways and
1: what was the movie that you had me watch with you that really changed it for me when yeah. I. I yeah, there's so much about oh the
0: business of being born. Yeah,
1: that's a that's a very important one.
0: Yeah, the business of being
1: born. I, mean, all, I think all women should watch it, and all men should absolutely watch it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, because you're you're realizing like it doesn't have to be the way that it's been. You, like there's so much inducing of labor and like all these medical interventions that cause problems. And I mean, if I need something, I'm down to do it. But I don't want to do things I've already had in my life so many experiences where medical intervention has caused problems unnecessary medical interventions caused trauma to my body my psyche my soul and i'm not interested in repeating that in this and so that was the natural choice the the
1: human body has been giving birth to other humans far far before modern medicine
0: well and if what i mean we don't have time to go into it here but if for those who are interested if you start to research like when did women being the ones who support women giving birth get co-opted by the medical establishment and these men who are obgyn professionals um, start to come in and be responsible for birth there's some, there's a lot around that where it was basically stolen from women and women were told that there were um, not adequate providers of being able to do this now this is something that, that we've been doing for so long so for me I I didn't want a male OBGYN and I know there are many amazing ones out there, but I want someone who's gone (laughs) through that experience. You still don't
1: have a vagina or a uterus. Like, come on.
0: Even if you're really great at it, like you can never know what it feels like. You can never, it's a felt sense experience and you can't know. And I don't want, I want somebody who has that (laughs) um, for me. And so that's one of the things I really wanted to touch on today was just like, if you're pregnant, if you're, you know, gonna become pregnant, knowing if you know people who are pregnant, like reach out to them, like support them. It's it's right now, especially during COVID, like it's different. You don't get to go into the ultrasound appointment with your partner and yay, this is so exciting. Like you go into it and it's this whole production and he gets to come for the last, like, what you got to come for like one minute of it and, and see yeah. the very end part. Um,
1: but with the midwife, I mean, she didn't have an ultrasound there, but we did listen to the heartbeat, yeah. and I felt absolutely included—not totally. just you know another patient's plus one.
0: Yeah, that's how it felt like at the at the uh, medical place. Yeah, the that's patients okay. Plus one, but you know, we did so, and I also wanted to say for those one of the big things I had to like um, look at was my. Um, my fear around the baby having down syndrome right because i was over 35 and that the chances at 36 are really low still they're very low um but they make it seem like you know they're very high and you should be concerned about this some people make it seem like that others don't and so we opted at 11 weeks to have a test it was a blood test and that blood because and it was expensive we had to pay for it out of pocket because it's not covered it's not considered essential But I needed the peace of mind to, like, not be in the place of, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Because it was really scaring me. Um, So just so people know, like, that's an option. And we did that. I got the results back that I had a 1 in 10,000 chance. So, like, nobody can say for sure, you know, but I had the same chances as, like, a 20-year-old. And that our baby, it all came back genetically clear. And... I went from a state of tension in my body that I didn't even realize was tense from that to like a much more open state after I got those results. It all just started to soften and people don't talk about that. And so many women are having babies over 35 and, you know, they, and the ones that I have talked to, um, also said like, yeah, they really try, like, you know, it's this fear that gets put in you. And this experience is full of fear because it's new and it's different And it also doesn't have to be that way. Like, I'd really like to see the narrative change from like all the things that can go wrong while still honoring those who've had those things go wrong. I'm not saying to pretend it doesn't, um, but to bring these things to light and out of the shadows so that, why is it as women, like all of this, everything is, we we, we deal with so much of it in private. It's like, you can't talk about menstruating. Ew, gross. You can't, it's all these things that are just like, They are the feminine. They are the womb. They are life, and we're like, ew, can't talk about that or deal with it on your own.
1: And you you see that permeate the culture of men and and boys. Men that I know my age, like they don't, they're not like bothered by menstruation or anything like that. A lot of them are married or you know Mm -hmm. in relationships. But when they're young, when I was young, it was kind of like this, like kind of scary thing that's not none of my business. Right. No, it's none of my business, and to a degree, yes, yeah, none of your business. And also, sooner or later, you're gonna have a partner, and then it's gonna be your business to an extent.
0: It's gonna be your business, and like,
1: it's at least be comfortable. Like, it's just a part of what is.
0: Yeah, why are we we're so concerned with like suppressing what these a- these aspects of life that are? And like, just as like a quick aside, like I remember the, the cycle before getting pregnant, and i gotten like a um, i had gotten uh, some. I don't know tampons or something, and I remember it said like "power over periods" on the box, oh, yeah. and I was just like,
1: yeah. "Is there really
0: such a thing?" Just bring people? the fight
1: to those periods. <laughs> yeah,
0: let's fight <bite> it. We
1: <laughs> will prevail. It's
0: like right. <laughs> it, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done as individuals and in our culture around women's issues in general. Um, you don't
1: want to unpack the patriarchy right here, not. Right now?
0: I mean, not at one hour and thirteen minutes yeah, in. Think- Maybe that's for another one. We're way over time. Um, but there was just so much to share and we didn't even cover a quarter of it and that's fine. There'll no. be other ones to talk about it on, but, um, you know, now we're the update. So the update is we're in about to, we're in week eight, coming into week 18 tomorrow. Um, we'll get to go at 20 weeks for our really long ultrasound that shows us all the things. Um, we got to find out it was a girl cause we did that blood test back at 11 weeks and, um, Oh, can you maybe just talk super briefly about um, your reaction to finding out you were having a girl?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to remember what my reaction was. Yeah, my 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 body and my mouth and my face were so happy and surprised and excited, and then my my brain, as a man, like I've always like ha- I had this unconscious bias towards having a boy, mm-hmm. and the more this is sinking in and the more I'm feeling into it, the more excited I am mm-hmm. because you always, like you really pay close attention. Like I really pay close attention to like, like patriarchal lines, I guess of, you know, like you will inherit your father's name <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. It's almost sounds medieval to talk about, but it's, the thing. it's, it's deep and it's there. And it's like, you're expected to have boys because really they're easier because you're a boy and they're kind of like you and you can relate and a girl's harder because you're not a girl and you have to soften you have to soften and when i just sort of calmed down and really sat with it i was never really like worked up about it i really just kind of felt bad that i wasn't 100 percent just pure excited i was also like maybe we'll have a boy next time and all this and Once I kind of stopped judging myself and calmed down and just saw it for what it is, I was just so excited. Mm -hmm. So excited. And we went out and got her first Mm -hmm. little outfits. And I was like, yeah, of course, of course I'm having a girl. I feel so happy, so excited. And what better contribution to the world that is in need for a revival of strong um, feminine qualities what better thing than to be a father for that to that um, sort of in service of that Mm -hmm. Um, I mean it's one of the biggest gifts like as a man to give your wisdom to your daughter and You know, one day see her grow up to be a strong, kind, compassionate individual.
0: I'm like crying over here for real.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, I I feel really excited. And it was really great to... You know, I I have a a lot of women in my family. Yeah. A lot. Like, Like, yeah, just a lot. But all the cousins are, except for two, are... Men. So it goes, female, male, and who knows? This this generation might be female. But when I called my parents, my grandparents, everyone was just so excited. Mm-hmm. My mom was so excited because you know she didn't have a girl, so now she yeah she just has one boy one boy.
0: So now she'll have her own version. My dad girl.
1: had one girl and then three boys, and he was excited. And my grandmother was super excited. She goes, "I
0: knew it." <laughs> I knew it too. I always knew it would be a girl.
1: So everyone's really happy about that. I'm really happy about it. And yeah, I know there's just going to be so much to learn. And I'm excited. I'm like, well, I'm also scared. Like, how do you keep your kids safe in a world that's (sighs) increasingly, seems more and more um, precarious?
0: Yeah, it does. I it's gonna be a totally different world than we grew up in. Phones and Instagram. I mean, they're just like when I think about it I get overwhelmed I'm just like, okay, one day at a time. One day at a, yeah, day at a time.
1: Yeah, one day at a time. Yeah, like that that's it. I don't know. I we don't know what the world's mm-hmm. gonna look like even when she's one or two. Yeah, that's or three. it's such
0: an uncertain experience right now. Um our computer has five percent battery. We didn't plug it in. So we gotta we gotta wrap it up, otherwise okay. we're gonna lose this whole thing. But All right. um thank you guys for listening. This is a long one. There's so much more to say about women and bodies and pregnancy and covet and race and, and everything that we've been going through and we'll do an, a follow up where we can kind of dive into some of the the issues um around allyship and, and our process around that and what that can mean and for those who are curious um, resources etc so that was an intention for today so we will certainly um, really put a we want to do that in a way where there can be a spotlight and a focus on it so we'll do that in, a, yeah. in the next one. But.
1: Yeah, well, we're going to really put in some effort to try to put more of these out there because I know for me I feel more comfortable doing this now That's after so having different. a lot of yeah. practice <laughs> me too. and it feels like the right time and in the meantime, we're going to also be uploading um, some uh, recordings from our courses that I think yeah, a lot of people just, could find really useful.
0: We want to give those as a gift to to help people who are doing some deep exploration right now, which is a lot of people. So we're uploading our archetype ones and some probably some others. And we also have a yin training coming up um, that is for yoga teachers and non-teachers alike, and a. Um, Training in January with uh, Leanne uh, called "Behind the Asanas on Consciousness, uh, Psychology, Neuroscience, and Embodiment," and excuse me, um, we'll be excited to to maybe see you guys there if you were looking for some some extra support and community.
1: So until and, next time, yeah, until next time.